0: I did hate the sound of my own voice, once starting out, but the thing with, not so much podcasting, but when I went around and road trip Europe with my buddy James, I was vlogging a bit of it and like taking videos and oh, stuff, okay, yeah. so right away, and that I hated the sound of my voice, but I was holding up the camera, but there's, this is a lot easier, just having a conversation and then listening it back once or twice, but watching like me being energetic on film, yeah. and trying to be energetic and convey to the audience on the camera, yeah. When there's people around and, like, and you're in like Germany, or
1: so I Well, it definitely doing. looks weird when, yeah. right, you got the camera and you're like trying to hold it up. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: we're here in Berlin. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's a mess, but yeah. dude, man, thanks for coming out. Thanks exactly. for doing this, really appreciate it. So you're gonna run a beer mile after? Yeah, beer mile afterwards unnamed. at an undisclosed location, of course. Oh, of course, and an unnamed beer. An unnamed ship yeah. So, awesome, man. So what made you want to come on the show? Um,
1: well just like the entire concept of what you've learned after high school. I feel like in my four years or whatever since leaving high school, right. I've done a lot as an individual and I've just like learned a
0: lot. So, so what was your transition like then from high school to university? Okay, so then, so going from high school to university,
1: I originally went to U of T, Mm -hmm. University of Toronto, and I was actually the only person from my high school going to U of T that year, Mm -hmm. and I think there was only one other kid from Sudbury that was going to U of T, and I had no idea who he was. So I was going into a completely new environment where I knew nobody. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting, because like, no one knew who I was, no one had any like preconceived notions of nice. who I was. So it's almost like an opportunity to reinvent yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I really felt like I had to reinvent myself, though. I was, right. Like you are pretty I, okay with yourself. Yeah, you I, like yourself, I liked yeah. the core values that I developed over high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting going into a place where no one knew you. Right. Uh, I think being on a varsity team, so going there I was recruited onto the varsity cross country and track team so going there I immediately had a group that I was a part of so that made the transition a lot easier Uh, and then like my roommate in residence in my first year he was also on the varsity cross country and track team. Uh, okay. So it definitely made that whole transition period a little bit easier. A familiar you, faces from the beginning. Yeah, you already had like a group that like you belonged to. You didn't mm-hmm. really have to figure out where you were gonna fit in. Right. Uh, so that was probably unique to my transition from other people going into university that are part of like a varsity team right off the bat. Right.
0: They don't just get thrown into a city and then good luck. Yeah, a little pat on the back and uh, uh, send it. Yeah, no, it wow. was
1: it was definitely it was, but then also moving from Sudbury, which is like a small city, to Toronto, which is the biggest city in Canada, city, yeah. right? Right. Definitely, definitely a big transition. Yeah, it's a, it's an eye opener for sure. Yeah. Yeah. like oh man, <laughs> my my data, I burned it just on Google Maps trying to figure out. Oh, where I believe it. it, it. That's what I did <laughs> in Ottawa. Yeah, same. Just thing. Had no idea where to go. Actually, within my first month, uh, I don't know if you know what like the DVP is. Yep. Okay, so the DVP. Don Park, yeah, it's... exactly. Huge like highway yeah. in Toronto, right? And I actually had like a cardiologist appointment out in like northern Toronto no. or whatever, right? And I had to take, I had to bike there, right? So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna bike there, right? And I'm on uh, Google Maps, I'm biking. Halfway through the bike, my phone dies. Stop. Okay. So I'm... I You're didn't, stranded. So I, I didn't actually, like, plan this out that well. <laughs> oh no. I literally, I was biking from class, I was wearing, like, brown dress shoes, like, jeans, like, a button-up shirt, right. and, like, my little messenger bag, yeah. like, strapped over my shoulder on my bike, and I'm just biking there thinking it's not going to be that far. Mm. I'm just following it, and, like, ended up in Greek Town. Right. right and then I was just asking random people how to get to where I was going and they're like, oh, just go here Go here. Go here. I ended up on the Don Valley Parkway. Okay. I'm biking on the Don Valley Parkway Which I don't know if people know this, but it's illegal. See here in Sudbury We can go biking like on the bypass Yeah, right and lots of people bike and that's like a small highway right right but apparently illegal to bike on highways yeah it's I mean it's dangerous I, mean, I it's dangerous. to yeah. bike on that yeah so it makes sense oh my right oh, and man. people are honking at me and I'm like oh my gosh it's so embarrassing I have it's no weird. idea phone's well, dead I can't get yeah. my mom I'm like I got no idea uh. what I'm doing right now right <laughs> then no. <laughs> by the grace of God this guy that's driving a city truck pulls over right and like I don't know, maybe like 200 meters ahead of me, right. gets out of his car what and were you fl- thinking? flanks Are you me, down, And I'm like, I was like, oh man, like he's probably like gonna help me out. Like that's actually what like, I thought, yeah. like right off the bat. Um was good. And, a lot of people wouldn't think. But yeah. Would you They'd be like, oh,
0: this guy's coming for me.
1: No, 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 it, but it, it was, it was almost like a, like he was doing like landscaping for the city, right? No, no, it was like, like it a should, pickup truck To right. be silly for him. Yeah, so I didn't no, think I that was getting him. I didn't think I was getting in trouble or anything like that. So he fights me down and uh, he's like, man, he's like, you got to get off here. He's like, where are you going? I tell him. He's like, okay, put your bike in the back. No. He's like, I'm going to like drop you off, get you off the highway and then you can bike the rest of the way. So he detours, drops me off. But as we're driving, he's like, yeah, like I was just driving down and I hear over the radio." what Matt, the cops are coming because some kid is biking on the dvp two minutes later i see you i was like no way he's like yeah he's like man that's like a thousand dollar fine what i was like oh Stop. my gosh oh my he's like i saw you and i was like i gotta help this kid out what? he just <laughs> he is lost
0: <laughs> he is lost. yeah you yeah, know yeah, like i have suckers i'm gonna like yeah. it's like yeah what yeah so dollars fine for going for a rip yeah. on the DVP. Yeah. So that
1: was, that was like literally within like my first month at U of T and I, I called my coach. I ended up biking like over, it was like 20, 30 K in like there and back. Right? right. I called my coach. I'm like, Hey, like, I'm actually not going to meet up for the group run today. I was like late as well, so I called him before I left the appointment. I was like, "I'm not gonna make it back." He's like, "What happened?" Told him the story. He's like, "Oh my gosh!" He's like, "Yeah,
0: you're not supposed." To yeah, be yeah, upset. yeah. So he pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's, that's
1: amazing. After like my first set of midterms, uh, I write with like accessibility services because mm-hmm. I have an IEP, mm-hmm. uh, so I get extra time when I write. Mm-hmm. So I write in a different building, and I use up all my time mm-hmm. so there wasn't a lot of people in the building left and i go into the elevator to leave sure enough i get stuck in the elevator okay after like my first set of midterms so within like the first like so peak, all the stress is like yeah like literally it's gone yeah you're done yeah um, oh and, like no. end up in the elevator but it was nice because it was it was weird how the elevators were it was like each side had like two doors right. so it was like this part came out, and then there was like a layer, and then that part came out. Mm-hmm. So I was actually able to like get in between and like push them open. Okay. So I so it like gone down a bit, but like not that much, maybe like a foot. So I was able to push open the doors because there was no one there. And I was like,
0: oh, man. you're telling me? So yes, like, you were a superhero? Yeah. Was, you uh, pried open elevator
1: doors to escape. And then got out. Yeah. So so yeah, my coach. <laughs> It was literally all within the first, like, one or two months, and my coach is like, this kid is not going to make a class for a semester. Sure enough, I did. Got through my first but, year. But no was good. But, uh, but, yeah, no, that was my intro to uni- university and living in the big city. Everything that could go wrong, like, basically went wrong in that first little bit. Except
0: the upside to it is everything went wrong, but you didn't suffer any consequences for mm-hmm. it. Like, it could have been a lot worse. You oh. could have gotten me $1,000. You could have gotten stuck for a long time in the elevator. Yeah. Right, like you could have you know, made a good picture of that. Floor could have dropped out of the elevator for whatever reason, yeah. so that's good, man. That's so, awesome. yeah, that wow. was like my intro from high school to university. Wow, and then what brought you back to Sudbury? Because you said you're now at the Wrenchens? Yeah. And yeah. you, were, you were, at were at University of Toronto. What What brought you back That I know we talked a bit about it yesterday, and yeah. I'm just curious if you could elaborate. Yeah, so when I
1: went to U of T, I was studying actuarial sciences, And Laurentian actually didn't have an actuarial science program yet Mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted to study so I went to U of T Uh, and then just my experience at U of T academically wasn't great I felt like the majority of the learning that I was doing was out of a textbook Mm -hmm. I wasn't learning a lot in class I didn't find that professors were very good for the most part I had a couple like really good professors but the majority of my classes, I was learning everything out of the textbook, and then it was also a super intense program. Um, yeah, I mean, I I met some of the smartest people that I've ever met in my life while at U of T in that program. Like these kids are actually geniuses. I thought it was hot shit, like leaving yeah. like high school. With Do some program. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought I was hot shit with my like 96 average leaving high school kind of thing, yeah. like. I like I even had like a couple hundred percents in like some classes, and I was um, like, oh man, like, well. like I'm really smart. Once there, I'm like, I'm actually <laughs> not really. I mean, so I was yeah. I was getting by. I wasn't like failing my classes. I failed some tests though, which was quite eye opening. Yeah. yeah, I was uh, I was pretty shook. You go from like being like a high ninety student, right, expecting
0: that all the time. Now, yeah,
1: to like in my second year, my calculus class I got like a 38 on my first test. There's five of them. But like absolutely it was insane. It was so big transition that way academically. So super intense. Uh, I didn't feel like I was learning a lot from the profs. Learning more out of the textbook. And then it just wasn't good balance with varsity athletics. And that wasn't something that I wanted to give up. I mean I really enjoy running at a varsity level. And being on a team, competing. So I just didn't see the value in paying like $20,000 a year to be at U of T. Mm-hmm. When one, everything that I was learning, I could just buy the textbook and teach it to myself. Like mm-hmm. I might not have like the prestigious degree from U of T, but to me, it's more like the learning and mm-hmm. knowing what you're doing that kind of matters. Yeah, it's true. And then, and then, yeah, it was just not a very balanced lifestyle. So. Laurentian I was figuring was going to be a little bit easier, a little bit lighter and then also smaller classes in the actuarial program because yeah. they actually got one oh, okay. during my second year Oh, nice! so then I came here for the actuarial program here when it was new and all of that so I knew the classes were going to be a lot smaller mm-hmm. so more one-on-one time with the profs which is actually like how it turned out mm-hmm. I've been able to dedicate a lot more time to my running uh, Injury free. I've been running better than I ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, my grades are back up again, yeah. and I actually have really good relationships with my profs. So, oh, I guess the head professor of actuarial sciences—he actually wants me to do a, a master's with him next year. Oh, no he's no been kidding. talking to me about that. No so, right, like that's not true. an opportunity that I would have had at U of T because size of the class. Exactly. You know, exactly and then I also have these guys like as references moving forward now right because right. I have pretty good relationships cool. with them Yeah, that's sweet. so that was the main training position however I will say like my varsity experience there was amazing like, oh I can imagine yeah like yeah. Terry and Ross amazing coaches uh the entire team there they were great like super supportive like close-knit group uh we had training camp at the end of August every yeah. year uh, really great group of people super and i I think like they actually transitioned my mindset into wanting to be more of an elite level runner right because just like who you're surrounded by right yeah like what i remember yeah exactly exactly. bring you up i remember in going into my second year uh gabriella stafford Mm -hmm. she had just finished competing at the olympics in rio Right? So like, and there was multiple people who had like been to the Olympics that were training with uh, With like UTTC, like the University of Toronto Track Club, and then like Gabriella was still at U of T. So just being around Ah. that, and then like Sasha Smart, (laughs) uh, I actually lived with him in my second year in a house, and he like set the OUA record in the 1K and then he was named uh, U Sports. And then you uh, guys shit. track bathroom. and field. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, like track and field. No way, at dude. At the end of the year. Oh, that's awesome. So like, just being around all these like super elite, high level athletes kind of like changed my perspective on like where you could go with it. And then just living with right. them and seeing how like they conducted themselves day to day and like the dedication that they put into their training. So like all of that was an amazing experience, and I don't think I would be competing at the level I am today without actually building those friendships with them, mm-hmm. and then seeing how they train and the effort that they put in. It really like changed my
0: perspective from that sense. It's incredible. That's solid. Yeah. That's crazy though, man. I wonder what goes in. Like, where you think? Actually, sorry. Before I ask that question. Can we backpedal? What is actuarial sciences for people who aren't
1: oh, okay, aware? Yeah. So actuarial sciences. I'm one of those people. <laughs> so
0: I have an idea, but.
1: Actuarial sciences, I guess, is it's very heavily based in mathematics and statistics. So in like a general sense of what you're studying would be math and statistics. Um, and then it's essentially modeling and forecasting so a lot of actuaries work for insurance companies mm-hmm. so determining like insurance rates right like what's the likelihood hard that this person is going to be in a car accident right an actuarial scientist wow. builds the models uh to predict that right and they they do all the math behind that so that's i guess in lame terms kind of what an actuarial science does but so Typically, they work in the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the main route that a lot of uh, actuaries go. Right. But obviously, that type of knowledge is applicable into a lot of other fields. Mm -hmm. So a few of them like branch off into other types of industry, but for the most part, they'll work in insurance. Interesting. Yeah. And what made you choose this program specifically? Specifically? Okay. So uh, in high school, I liked math. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was kind of what I enjoyed Um, and I knew I wanted to do something in math But I didn't know what so I hopped on I'm I'm very bad at like (laughs) making decisions in on some things on like what I want to do moving forward, right? So I really had no idea leaving high school exactly Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do, right? So I literally hopped on Google one day and I was like highest-paying jobs in mathematics number one actuarial sciences did some research on it i'm like huh that seems cool let's do that <laughs> that's so that's that's, litur-
0: that's That's how it started that should be the way to go though yeah what's i i like this i'm good at this i like learning about this what's the highest paying job in it this all right let's end it yeah that's awesome So yeah. wow that's that's how that one okay, okay that's the yeah. way to do it so for everyone uh man that's a tip on its own yeah wow okay <clears throat> man so Wow, okay, cool. So, you mentioned the other day, you mentioned about with university and everything, you don't feel, because it's too young of an age before, like at 17 or 18, right? Yeah. To decide what you want to do forever. For yeah. reason, right? You said it the other day about being in a career for however long, 50, 60 years, whatever, Yeah. like 30, 40, whatever it is now. It's tough to decide what you want to do and no one knows. I still don't know. Yeah. I have friends who are older than me who still don't know. You said no. Ne- university is more of an experience to network than it is actually for schooling. Yeah. Like to learn and educate. Yeah. Them. So okay. like,
1: I would say... Why? I mean, one, so like my experience has been most of my learning I've done like out of a textbook, right? I mean, that could also just be my learning style. Right. Like independent learning. Mm-hmm. I find I don't take a ton away from the classrooms for the most part, I mean my actuarial courses here that I have with like uh Peter Damick and uh half of the like like those two profs have taught me a ton in class. And I think right. my learning was accelerated by being in a class with them. But I definitely could have still learned what I learned with them on my mm-hmm. own, right? right? So when you're looking at the cost of university, in some sense I just don't think that the price justifies it. I mean, mm, like, interesting. like so this is kind of the way I look at university, I'm like, everything you learn, if you're actually committed to learning and you want to learn, you could learn it on your own outside of university, right? right? So yeah. that was one of the reasons that I left U of T to come to Laurentian, just because I was paying like over $20,000 a year to be at U of T. And that's like just for the eight months, right? And then coming to Laurentian, I knew I was going to be on like a track scholarship and I'd be paying like well under like $5,000 a year out of my own pocket to come to Laurentian, right? Mm -hmm. So the degree to me, like that initial foot in the door, like here I actually have a degree, to me was worth the like, $5,000 a year. I was like, that's a price I'm willing to pay. Mm -hmm. $20,000 a year over five years at like 100K. I was like, that is not worth it to me, right? So it was just like the pricing, I didn't think I was getting what I was paying for. And then like university as a whole, it's like, yeah, you're coming in, you need to decide what you want to go into, Mm -hmm. but you might change your mind, right? So if you don't really know what you want to do, and you're not in a fortunate position where you can afford university relatively easily. Right. I just don't... What you recommend? I would say, like, honestly, let's say, outside of being a doctor or, like, a teacher or a professor, things where you need a university degree for, right. like, honestly, learn on your own. And I mean, like, actually, people that are like, oh, I'm not going to go to university. People watching, you don't just not go to university and go and dick around and do nothing with your life. That's that's not what I'm saying. Like you're still putting in mm-hmm. eight hour days studying right. and learning, right? Cause you yeah. can, all, all of the course material is posted online, literally walk into the university and you, you can even sit in on a class, right? Like most professors aren't going to kick you out of like a first year class, right? If you can just ask the prof, if it's a big enough class, like you're in an auditorium, just go and sit into the class, yeah. right? You don't need to pay to be there and you can still do all the learning, right? You can go yeah. and buy the textbook for a hundred bucks instead of paying $7,000 for a year of tuition. Mm-hmm. You can buy a few textbooks, maybe spend $500 and actually read the textbooks and learn. Right? Right. So, I think there's a lot of alternative forms to learning. There's also a lot of online things that you can learn, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, there's online courses on like Skillshare, Udemy, right? Like all these things. LinkedIn, like lynda.com is some good ones that we use in school. There's too many available. Yeah, right? So, I mean, the most difficult part, I'd say, about not going to university is kind of figuring out what to learn from, yeah, right? Like Find, finding, finding the lane, material, because exactly, yeah. like, there's so much information out there, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a blessing and a curse in that sense. Like, right. You can learn anything you want without a university anymore, like now, but you also need to figure out what you're going to learn. Yeah. So I think a really good example is when I was at U of T, one of my buddies, he was in Kin, yeah. and there was some guy that would sit in on all the classes, like he wasn't paying for a degree. He would just sit in on the classes and learn and then meet other people in the class Whoa. and get the lecture notes from them, right? Because no. all the notes were yeah. posted on- online. Yeah, so, email. so they would just email the electronic files to him and then he'd buy the textbooks and he was just learning everything they were teaching at U of T for free, right? <laughs>
0: So, Does that not bother you a little bit? You're paying 20 grand a year and that guy's just gonna sit next to you and ask people for the lecture notes. So I mean, it, it doesn't bother me at all, right? Nice. So like- like, That's good.
1: Right, because still like, he's going to have a longer road to get to where he wants 100%. to go because he's not going to have the degree to like, yeah. let's say start here, right? Like he's gonna start here and then you're paying whatever amount of money to start here, right? right? But that doesn't mean that you, you can't get there, right? The yeah. opportunity is still there now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, outside of like being a doctor and things right. like that. But you can still be extremely successful and learn everything that you need to learn like for free basically now. Yeah. Like U of T, the classes are so big. You could go in and sit on my math classes and my actuarial classes that I did and you can go to the store and you can buy the actuarial manuals Right? Actuaries make like 150k a year. All you need to do to be an actuary is pass your actuarial tests. You don't, you don't need a degree. They don't care where the hell you got a degree really? from. So the way actuarial science works is there's a bunch of tests that you need to complete, right? Mm-hmm. And usually you need to complete your first like two to three tests to get into a place somewhere. Right. And then they pay you a salary, mm-hmm. and then they, they'll actually give you time off to study for your next test. And every test you complete, you get paid more.
0: Right.
1: Right. And once you're a fully licensed actuary, you're making like well over 100k a year. So you could do that mm-hmm. entire thing without schooling. Right. So if you're good in math, <laughs> you can take that time, learn all that stuff, What's going on? and be making over 100k a year. It's a life hack. Yeah. Right. Wow. So. I mean, not everyone's good at math, and yeah, other it takes, pe- it's not just being good at math in that in that case, though, right? It's you gotta be really yeah. Good you gotta at math. be really good. You gotta be really good. And, and like, it's
0: the discipline to learn yeah. and know you're not being taught it; you're learning it yourself. Yeah, it's different.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like I said, even when I was at U of T, I felt like I was learning the majority of my right. Like, so that's probably the same. Yeah, and I mean, like. Like if you actually live in Toronto and you can't afford to go to university and you want to go into like actuarial Sciences, you look this up later and you think it sounds cool, then literally go and sit on the classes, meet the people in the class mm-hmm. and you can study with them. No right. one gives a shit that you're not actually at U of T. If, if you're good and you understand and you can provide value to the study group, mm-hmm. you can still be surrounded. And that's probably the most important thing I would say about university is the networking opportunity and surrounding yourself with people that help you to succeed. You can do that Mm -hmm. without paying for the tuition. So I do think that university, if if you have the opportunity to go to university and you can pay for it without putting yourself in massive amounts of debt, then take advantage of the opportunity and do it. Right, if you're gonna do it just to put yourself in debt, it's really worth it. in that sense I don't think it's worth it right so you gotta look at relative cost right Mm -hmm. and like relative value to you so I am in a fortunate enough position where coming to Laurentian I'm like yeah it's worth the degree I can say hey look I have a degree from this but what's actually going to get me in is more references and people that I meet and I know that Mm -hmm. and then like the work that I do right the degree just gives companies kind of like like, okay, this it accredits person, what yeah, he did. Yeah, you actually know what you're doing. But like, yeah. if you want to go into something like business, right, you can start at the bottom end of a firm. Like I'm saying, like if they want you to do filing, think about it, you, a university degree takes four years. If out of high school, you're like, I think I want to go into this type of business, literally start off with filing, whatever. Wherever you can get into a business that you think would be cool, hmm. think about it. Within those four years, If you are constantly trying to look for ways that the company can improve and you're trying to provide value and you're going above and beyond your job, you're going to climb to, like within the four years to where I'm gonna enter still. Mm -hmm. We will be at the same spot at the end of four years except you were making a salary at 30, 40K a year, you've made $120,000 and let's say I'm at Laurentian, I just paid like $30,000. Right. Right, so so okay. it, it depends on what you're going into. So I think you need to look if you can, can you get into the industry right away and then mm-hmm. do and learn while you're there? Or do you first need to, there are some things where you need a university degree, so you need to look at that. And then are you knowledgeable enough to do any, anything for a company that will provide value? Yeah. And if you right. don't, take a year, And actually learn Mm -hmm. study figure out what you need to know like study like 10 hours a day right you can learn a ton like 10 hours a day if you're actually like sitting down studying then you're gonna be able to learn a lot and you get out what you put into it yeah and then make sure that when you go for your interview uh, you actually discuss what you've learned in the last year what you've taught yourself Mm because that's going to show initiative as well yeah so I think we're past the point where we need a university to be successful anymore. Like it helps, but
0: you, you can figure it out mm-hmm. without a university. On specific, like like you said, referring back to what you said earlier though, about yeah. specific jobs, mm-hmm. like if you had to create, what's your list of specific jobs that you don't think, that I couldn't just sit yeah. in on a nursing degree yeah, or a exactly. teaching degree or like a doctorate, I couldn't sit yeah. in on that and then show up and or Maybe to become a lawyer though, like I could show up to law classes and then I could just write the bar. Or do you need? No, I mean, no, sure, you need you, that, yeah, you need to go to. So that's that law one school. Then, that, that. one. Then, to go to law that's school. one then. That but that
1: I'd say like it all included. Anything in business, think about it. Like marketing, Um yeah. like, like like if if like actuarial sciences. I mean, if, if you're good at math and you can't afford a university, actuarial sciences like. You just need to pass the tests, Learn the content, pass the test, boom, you're making over 100k here. Yeah. Easy. I mean, not easy. Extremely yeah, it's difficult.
0: extremely tough. Extremely difficult. Extremely but difficult. But on paper, it's easy. Like, saying it out loud like how, and realizing it.
1: Like, the path to do it is simple. well set out. It's yeah. simple, it's not easy. Right. Yeah, simple, not right. easy. But you can see the top of the mountain. Yeah. But the journey sucks. Exactly. Okay. So. And then I'd say just any, anything in business, right? Like there's, you really just got to look at like what you want to do and then figure out how you can provide value for another company in doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And like if you want to be a chef, right? You don't need to go to culinary school. You can start in the kitchen of a restaurant and work your way up, right? Yeah. It's very industry specific, but yeah, I don't think university
0: is needed. All right, so we were talking the other day, and I noticed you say it a bit often in conversations. You say "blessed." Yeah. Now, I know some friends of mine are like, "Yo, man, that's blessed." Yeah. But I know their belief system is varied. It's not concrete, but you talk a bit about how you're fortunate, and even before we started recording today, about your beliefs and like your your core values. Leaving high school yeah. is kind of what you've fine tuned. the older you get the more mature you grow what is your belief system like? yeah so I mean I was born and raised in a Christian
1: household (laughs) right so I mean go to church every Sunday kind of thing Uh, like I I was like baptized as a baby and I think like all through like like my teenage years like into high school I didn't really like question it that much right it was just like I don't know, it's just something that you do, right? But then leaving high school and then living on my own, mm-hmm. I, I really, like, took a step back and reconsidered, like, okay, like, am I, like, do, do I actually believe this? Mm-hmm. Right? It's not, it wasn't something that I wanted to go through like my entire life saying, like, oh, I'm a Christian, and then having no idea, like, what that meant, or actually being able to, like, support why, right. like I'm a Christian. So, so yeah, I guess going to university, uh, I studied the Bible mm-hmm. and uh, I guess like the life of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, quite a, quite a bit. And it ended up being something that I actually, I do believe in. So, I grew a lot in my faith uh, and like as a Christian that way. Mm-hmm. Leaving, uh, leaving high school. So that was that was a big thing. And then I guess just like kind of considering like my own outlooks, e- even like politically, right? Because right. when I was leaving uh, university, it was. I mean, sorry, when I was leaving high school, it was 2015, and I was 18, and the elections were coming up, yeah. right? So I could vote. Right. So when I was leaving, it was all this, and I, I'm a big believer that like everyone should
0: vote. Right? Yeah, 100%. Like, like, you should vote, educate yourself on... So you're not saying everyone should vote, because my, my, my counter argument mm-hmm. is if you don't know anything, you shouldn't vote. But you're saying everyone should know. I'm saying, yeah, everyone should know. Like, try to research, figure out who you're gonna vote for and vote. Like, I'd say at the very, at the very minimum,
1: take the hour to go on to each political candidate's uh, website and read their platform at like minimum, right? and like at least then you know what they're talking about mm-hmm. what they say they're going to do I mean the material almost all of the time it doesn't all get done right yeah, We all I'm know that. that but no. like you can at least see who you agree with mm-hmm. the most right okay. and then I think also studying economics okay. uh, that's also opened my eyes to a lot of different policies Mm -hmm. right because you can say stuff like like a lot of governments make like these huge promises right about what they're going to provide but once you understand that some of these things require money Mm -hmm. then there's going to be implications for that right like are we going to take on debt as a country or are we going to increase taxes like all these things that people say that they're going to do require money and that requires a source of money, right? Mm -hmm. So you're either taking on debt or you're increasing taxes, right? Right. So I think understanding that has also changed my uh, view on like certain policies, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I'd say that's kind of like how my views have Developed and but I'd say like my core values and character hasn't changed like too much from nice. high school I was pretty blessed right, <laughs> and had good Had good parents yeah. good grandparents and just like a really good upbringing. I traveled a lot when I was nice. younger uh, When cool. I was in grade 7, I went on a meet-a-wee trip nice. in grade uh, 7 in grade seven I went on a wow. Wee trip with my mom. Uh came back wow. and my brother, sister and I started a foundation called like the Water Walk. And we would go around to uh, different schools and talk about uh, like the Meet a Wee Foundation right. and like raise money. The village we went to was Pimpinette, right? And the way that Me a Wee works is it has like four pillars. Yep. It's like education, alternative income, uh, clean water, and healthcare.
0: Opportunities opportunities one as well. Oh, did they change the it five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. like Back. literally a year ago to Ecuador. Oh, okay. Trip. Okay,
1: yeah, so. yeah, so, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, they it, have a fifth, yeah, they had a fifth okay. one recently. Yeah. Couple Okay. Yeah, grade yeah. seven yeah, to grade, now is a little seven, that's, yeah.
0: that's a gap.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a gap yeah, for sure. It's been a few Sorry. years. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I went around and we raised money for Sudbury Mango from a side. That was like right. the uh, branch group off the Meet a Foundation within Sudbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really opened up my eyes. That was a big trip for me. That really changed my perspective. You went on, to Kenya? Yeah, to Kenya. Yeah. So. That changed my perspective on how fortunate we are here in Canada right Uh, so yeah that was a big trip for me and then just all the traveling that I've done you just get to experience different cultures
0: and like you grow a lot that way a lot of people I find don't think don't realize how important that is and why we travel Where it's like, ah yeah, you experience different cultures and all that, but it's when you actually are there and experiencing them and then you come back it whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's that return trip that you're like, oh man. It's different. Now do you think it's better if people travel earlier? Like do you think you're more you're more fortunate that you were able to travel earlier? That way you develop that perspective sooner in life? Or do you feel that if you develop it later when you already have a set of beliefs that it might modify yours or oh that's a good question mm-hmm. i don't know i haven't really thought about that too much um
1: i mean obviously it's tough to go to kenya yeah. when you're in grade seven if you don't have parents that are like like help yeah they are going to take yeah, you right like the trips aren't yeah
0: they're you know, not
1: the cheapest trips no so right like you it's worth can't it just like, for sure yeah you can't just like go and do that when you're young right mm-hmm. all right so i mean obviously if you're in an position where you can travel and your parents are like oh do you want to go do this i would highly recommend that you go or if like i know a lot of people listening are going to be in high school hopefully so if your high school is doing a trip Mm -hmm. i would recommend go go do that right so i mean there are ways to do that and there's fundraising so Mm -hmm. i would say in high school if you don't if your family doesn't travel if you can try to go on at least one one trip, mm-hmm. right? I know. Uh, my Before the end of high school, yeah. Really? I'd say at least go on one trip, experience a different, uh, a different culture in right. a different country, right? Uh, learn about history because I know we had a trip during the. It was like a D Day anniversary, right? It was one of one of the years, and we had a trip in high school, and like twenty kids went, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't go. Uh, but that, that would be a great experience, right? So mm-hmm. things where you can incorporate learning and traveling, I mean, that's, that's probably <laughs> as good as you can get, right. so. It's probably the
0: best way of teaching, yeah. by far. Yeah,
1: so if you're in high school and you have the opportunity to do fundraising and go on a school trip, I would highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, that, that would be great. But, I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean,
0: obviously, traveling when you're older is great as well, right? Because you really? do have a new perspective, yeah, right? and I, I think, think you're more independent. You're able to actually make it happen, whereas in grade, maybe eight or nine or ten, yeah. doing it by yourself doesn't really, so like, it doesn't seem as reasonable. Yeah, plus money is always an issue yeah. when it comes to traveling. But and then I don't know, like, there's also
1: there's also going to be times in your life where like you're not able to travel as much, right? So like yeah, right now, absolutely. me with my running career. I'm taking running very seriously, and I actually 100%. want to like, be the best runner that I can be, right? Absolutely. It's really difficult to do that if I take a month off and go live somewhere, right? Because one, I'm not going to be able to eat as well, I'm not going to be able to train as well, right? So right now, that's just not a feasible thing for me, right? But one of the big things that I've wanted to do since high school is take a trip around the world, right? Nice. Six months to a year, I'm not sure like, how long, but I know like at minimum I wanna go for six months. Right. So like right now, in my bank, I already have enough money saved up for that. Nice. Like it's done, I'm not gonna touch it, right. and as soon as I'm done running, before I start like a job, an actual career, I'm gonna take that money, and I'm actually gonna go travel nice. for like six months to a year, nice. right? So that's something that I know I want to do, and I've, I've set up
0: for that. Right.
1: Yeah. In that sense. sense, but like it's right important. now, I'm not doing a lot of traveling. Even like my family, they went on a ski vacation. I mean, I don't know how much you're actually going to learn culturally from a ski vacation. It's different, right? It's, it's a different. vacation, it's not yeah. an adventure. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't go on that because it was during indoor uh, track season. Yeah, and you can't. And miss 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 the last thing that I want to do is like tweak my knee on the mountain and then I miss indoor track season, right? Yeah. It sets you so. Back. So yeah,
0: things like that. And then you have wow. like six to eight months of however long the recovery. Yeah. Exactly. So the worst part.
1: So. So yeah, I mean, traveling is great, but you also need to like keep your goals like well defined. And if tra- like at some point like traveling might interfere with that, right? Traveling right. can add to mm-hmm. your life experience, but if you have like major goals, it could detract. Mm-hmm. So like. Traveling isn't like the be-all end-all and like you right, see ton, tons of people like posting on Instagram and like how great it is Travel and I mm-hmm. do think you can learn lots yeah. and it's great experience But there are times where you need to like buckle down stay focused yeah. on what you're trying to achieve and right. focus on that Yeah, like, there's a traveling's a double-edged sword. Yeah, there's a time 100%. and a place for it for yeah. sure right it like is- like my sister just went to Belize for six weeks with uh, Queen's like it's like a health organization and they teach kids about mm-hmm. health in right. general. That's cool. Um, but yeah, she came back and she's like, I just feel like I'm so out of shape. I mean, like they ran when they were there and did like body weight workouts, but the food that they were able to get, it just wasn't like the same, right? yeah So she yeah. found it tough to like stay in shape. So now she's back and she's going to the gym and everything. But like she noticed within those six weeks that she had a decline in her fitness, right? And she's not a varsity athlete or anything, but I mean, she cares about like health and fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, So then for me, if I actually want to go on a six month trip, like how far back is that going to set me back in my running? Right. right? You should do it after you've achieved your running goals. Yeah, exactly. So I need to... And then the other thing as well, is like, yeah, exactly. Right. And it's not like, Uh, like, I don't want to just go somewhere for like a week. Right. Because I've done a lot of traveling now and I've gotten to see a lot of different cool places. And I know now, like when I go on this trip, each like country that I'm in, I want to spend at least a month there. Like, even if I could like find an apartment or something to like rent out for like one month. But like live more in the culture.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? So that's Just not embrace can, yourself in it. Yeah, right. really embrace myself and learn about these different cultures. That's so and you can actually do it, like it's not crazy expensive. Again, like looking at university compared to traveling, you can do a six month trip around yeah. the world for like six to eight thousand dollars. Yeah. That's what tuition is. Right. Think, think about the value that you could add and how much you can learn about other cultures and the amazing learning experience that would be mm-hmm. compared to one year at university.
0: Right. You know it's, what I mean? Yeah, so second that, to none.
1: Yeah, that's my other thing yeah. about university. I'm like, you could literally travel for six months for to a year for the same price. Wow. Right? So I'm right. like, so also look at that when you're considering mm-hmm. uh, university. Uh, one of Someone that I know, he actually went and lived in Vietnam for, like, a few years and, like, was super immersed in the culture there. I wonder what that's like. And, I mean, like, he has a university degree, but that was a huge talking point in his interviews and, like, different experiences, right? Businesses and companies really want, like, a well-rounded individual. Mm -hmm. And if you can understand different cultures and show that you're open to learning. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that's a huge value. Like would you do the Kenya trip again?
1: That's a, that's a tough one. Um.
0: So you guys, did you
1: teach there or did you do like a service? In the no, yeah, we we Ooh. just like built a schoolhouse. Like we did the foundation. Yeah, we did right, the right? exact same thing in there. Yeah. So, So my thing with the Mia we trips, I'm like, they're, Important in the sense that they allow you to Experience the culture and then I think like you also become more invested and you understand like what you're contributing to more Yeah, you're very aware, but on the other hand, I also understand uh, Like the volunteerism industry right like Hmm. like you're volunteering, but it's kind of like touristy Right. So I, I think a lot of it, it's almost more for you than them. You going over there isn't really benefiting them that much. You know what I mean? It's more for yourself and your own experience. So I think now that I've experienced it and I kind of like understand the culture, I think I'm good on that end. I don't think I would go with an organization. I mean, me to we is a great organization, yes, I think, yeah, and like, very ethical about how they go about their stuff. But I think unless I'm actually contributing real value, like my sister went and actually taught about health and uh, safe sex practices and things like that, that teachers there didn't want to talk about, right? So she was providing something that other people in the community didn't want to provide. And, it, and there wasn't uh, really, there is, so they teach the teachers about it as well, so it so they try to become sustainable on their own. Their goal is for them is still like sustainability, right? But if you're not providing direct value in that sense, then I wouldn't say it's worth it to go. I think that money that you spent could mm-hmm. be better used like employing a doctor over there or something like that, right? I, I think that money is better right. spent
0: actually providing something. I think the $3,500 that I spent for the trip could could have definitely been used differently.
1: Yeah, and it could have been used more efficiently, right? For the community as a whole. But like, I'd say on that initial go, like, if I were to recommend someone to go on one initial trip, I would recommend that they go on a meet a wee trip if they've never traveled yeah none of that okay right because i think in that sense it really opens your eyes and it gives you a good experience yeah. but people that are like constantly going on these like all vol- tourism trips I-, I think you're benefiting yourself more than you're actually benefiting the community right. so yeah there, i mean there's a lot of research that you can do on it um i look into it and before you travel with an organization really look into what that organization is about do Mm -hmm. a ton of research if it's not me to we i think i'll vouch for me to we glenn can vouch yeah yeah Yeah, we we will vouch for me to we but if you don't want to go with me to we like make sure you do a lot of research on the company that you're going with
0: right because a lot of them can scam you in a way like they can be very like it's all could be, it all could come across as orchestrated. I came back from my trip my, and uh, my mom asked me, she was like, how was it, like she came up with this point and I was like, it's, did it, was it real? Was like, what do you mean it's real? She said, because like, a lot of organizations, not me to we specifically yeah. but other organizations have known like orchestrated looking worse yeah. than it is so that people invest money into the community building yeah. But maybe they don't need it as much. Yeah. Which I'm like, yeah. So, and but then, to Liam's point definitely research where you're gonna go uh-huh. if it's, especially if it's with double research, yeah. especially oh, if it's 100%. with an organization. Yeah. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Because. Because that yeah, you don't you don't want people exploiting yeah. these people for profit, right? Like Meet a Weep is pretty transparent about where their money, their money goes. goes, right? Like yeah. donations. I think they're at like. They're at 90 something percent right? Mm-hmm. I mean people are like oh like 10% isn't going to like whatever I'm like, okay Well, they also have like overhead costs, right? Yeah, things okay. like that mm-hmm. um, But they're pretty good when you consider that like uh, The breast cancer foundation only I think they're at 60% is pretty high. Last I checked, I haven't checked it in a few years, like this was more something that I researched in high school, Mm -hmm. but they're only at like 60 something percent. So like you donate a dollar, let's say 65 cents actually goes, is actually
0: donated, everything else is paying people's salaries and things like that. Right, which you need to do. Like there are people who work there, like facilitators Mm -hmm. of the trips, the cooks working in the kitchen to provide your food, the people who maintain the yards or the lodges that you stay at. Need, yeah they need a lips yeah.
1: but a lot of i know like mark zuckerberg's book mm-hmm. and those things um they are i think that's profit for them you know what i mean so so 100%. so products they have me to we products that they sell and that's their business yeah. so that i think it's more like for profit and then but like donations are like 90 whatever percent and then they also have products from uh, like the peoples within the communities that they sell and all of that goes directly right. back to the community. Right, so they sell it here in North America and all that gets donated back. Right, I I know like they've expanded their business model so I'm not as familiar on yep. it anymore. So like do your own research, but that's always my thing. Yeah. Like whatever I'm saying, research me on research it. Research okay? me on it. Research it. Because I've done yeah. my research, but research yeah. me on it. Yeah, don't... Yeah. That, that's a big thing, don't just take any words take
0: blindly order. for right. what they say, do your own research take be educated, it. open your mind to it Yeah, that's what I always found interesting You know, if you back a bit with your uh, Christian belief system, you research into everything about it, you don't just like well that's how it is, it's like yeah, uh-huh. yeah,
1: so I mean like the Bible as a whole is a very it's a very dense book, I, I've not read through all of it, um First, so the Bible is broken up into a bunch of different books, right? right? Uh, first book that I read was uh, Matthews. It's mm-hmm. part of the gospel. Yep. Um, so I knew I wanted to read a book in the gospel and talk to, like, some different people in my church, some of the people that I know have read the Bible, and I was like, which, like, gospel should I read first? They were like, Matthews. So that was really the first book that I read, and I did that in grade 12? I think I read like my first book of the Bible in grade twelve, um, and that's kind of like where it started because I knew I was going off to university, mm-hmm. and that was it was in the summer, right? I lifeguarded, so you got a lot of you a lot of time in like, between. Like, like you got time in between shifts if it's not busy. How much time did you have? Um, so it's thirty minutes on the chair. So the way it works. Where'd you work? i um, uh, Park? Uh, I worked at Net One. Net One. But Beach. Oh. All, all the beaches are the same. Okay. So. For the first two hours in the morning, you're thirty minutes on, thirty minutes off, thirty minutes on, thirty minutes off, and because there's two guards there. And then in the afternoon, you have three guards, so it's thirty minutes on, an hour off, thirty minutes on, an hour off. But that's only if there's not a lot of people there. If there right, right numbers, So, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If there's more yep. people, then you need to be two guards right, up. Depends on the numbers. And like so. there were times where we were three guards up, so like there's no time off, right? right? But. You still often you, uh, uh, you you still do have a lot of break time, right? Um, and that's also just because that like they've done studies, and you can only be like highly focused for like thirty minutes, right? You think about like looking at the water, trying to scan, and you got to notice within an instant if like a little head skid goes and react right? to it, and react, and time. and you got to keep count of like everyone in the water. Right, and so so you know you need to keep track of like who left the water, who's coming in the water, right? So you, you got all that. Um, so you got to be focused. I mean, I'm not saying like oh, it's just super hard job, but it does take focus, obviously.
0: 100%. Um, I think the biggest thing if being to being a successful lifeguard is as much as everything and knowing your stuff comes in important. If you, the one thing I taught people when I was uh, running waterfront scenarios was. Reaction. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you see them and you stand there and you know what's going on, you know what to do. If you don't do anything, yeah. that's an issue. Yeah. If you react to something, boom, you're in. Yeah. That's, it. that's the main key thing. You can like there is the margin for error is so large. Oh yeah. When it comes to other people's lives that if you don't react to it, you might as well just- Oh, well, fair yeah, small. Small. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant, sorry, I was thinking something yeah, else. Yeah, but, you can't, you need to react to situations. Mm-hmm. There's so many times people just, I don't know what they're doing. It's like, they're convulsing in the water. Jump in and get them. Yeah. Like, don't let them go under, yeah. bring them out. So, craziest, my craziest lifeguard story. If we're going here, I got one too. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll share mine, then I should share yours. This will be
1: good. Okay, so, craziest lifeguard story. Um, I'm sitting on the chair, right, looking at the water, and the way Nepoan is set up, off to the left of the chair, there's kind of like a grassy area that people sit on but there's also then kind of like a little mini cliff that you can jump off into the water because the lake kind of like wraps around. So uh, I'm on the chair and then I start hearing some people to yell for me to come over, right? Like lifeguard's job is supervise the buoy areas, right? We got people that swim laps over there but like that's not part of our, our supervised area, right? And people know that's an unsupervised area but people started yelling at me to come over, right? And I look over and I see this old man laying on the grass. And I'm like, oh shit, some old guy is having a heart attack. Oh boy, right? So I, I jump off the chair, blow the whistle to clear the water, right? Run over to the guy, look at him, and he looks up at me I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, this makes no sense, and they're like, no, 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 not him in the water. What? What did I do? I left the chair without a flotation device. Okay, well, only maybe like, like, I don't know, like 30 meters away. Am I running back to go get a flotation device? No, 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 no. They're they're in time for that, right? So, amateur freaking mistake. But in the in in this scenario, I'm not over here thinking I need uh right. to give this guy chest ah, compressions, yeah. right? So so I look in the water and I I just see this guy. So the way it's set up is it's uh, it's, it's really murky, street, right? yeah. Yeah, okay, so, exactly. So it's murky and it's pretty weedy, right? right? And there's yeah, not it's... good clarity no. for it, right? But oh, no. uh, I, I I see I see this guy, right? And he's a big boy like like he was like built like like muscular right so like I was like okay this guy he's gonna be dense I, yeah I'm like okay I'm not surprised that this guy doesn't know how to swim and is sinking like a rock cuz yeah exactly nah. right so he's like he's drowning right so I'm like okay uh-huh. I'm like I, yeah. I'm like I don't need a torque to get this guy he's not that far. I'm like I can grab him pull him in we're good right Right. so I jump in I started trying to move him And he is not moving i'm like Mm. i'm like man you are not that heavy i'm like like you're heavy but like if i drag you it's water you're going to move you're going to move and i'm pulling him pulling him and he's not moving and like they're unconscious no 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 not unconscious he's still going he's still freaking out right no i'm like trying to pull him i'm like what is going on and i'm like is his like leg stuck in like the weeds or something weird like that i'm like like, it didn't make sense, but I'm like, okay, look under the water, right? Go under to try to see what's holding him. His friend is five feet under the water, hanging onto his ankle. What scenario are we in now? A double clutch. You got two of them. We are in a double clutch uh, scenario. No. You no, never no. enter into the water without a second guard with flotation device in a double clutch scenario. No. So literally, no. Probably the most dangerous situation you can be in. I got two huge guys that are like six feet tall. Okay, and people might say like, "Oh, how could you not see the other guy in the water?" Okay, yeah, both like, like, yeah. b- like both. He's are flailing around. around. All the sand's gonna all, come all up. The, all, all the water's murky, right? It's murky, and like both of these guys were like, like, super dark skin, and like their accent afterwards, like, it's like, like from Africa. Kind of thing, right? Like very dark skin, big axe. right? So like oh, they, they sink regardless. Yeah. So it's I crazy. couldn't like. So obviously you're not gonna see someone right under the water that's murky, and then you got all this They're also motion going dark. on, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah. I go under the water. I see him. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I grab him. I pull him up. Now we got two huge men that are well over 200 pounds and built. And then right? you just like this guy. And like, I'm in grade 12 at the time. Maybe, or maybe this was after my first year of university. One of the two. No, it was grade 12. It was grade 12. So I was probably like a like maybe a buck 35, a buck forty, right? A little kid, Right? And I'm trying to keep these guys up. And they're like, right? They're trying to stay up. So they're like pushing me down and drowning me. And I'm like, I need to get out of this situation. Right? So like, I like do an evasive maneuver, dive under, yeah, yeah. deep dive, get out, right? And at this point, my second guard is standing there, just frozen, right? Not moving, not reacting, like you said, right? And not jumping in to come take someone away. There's two of them. Yeah. So, so I just yell at him. I'm like, throw me the torque, because he had the torque. So he throws me a torque. And then out of nowhere, some guy on a kayak comes by, rips off his life jacket, literally the most, like, it was a pretty long toss. And he full on, like, grabs it and, like, discus throws it to me. I literally put up my hand directly into yeah, my hand. That's, that's clutch. Perfect, oh, no. Perfect throw. I was like, my guy. I was like, my guy. Like, he's like, here, here, here. Turn around. I'm like, oh. awesome. I got two devices now. I put the twerp under the one guy, push him off, and then drag, so put the twerp under the one guy, drag the other guy to the uh, kind of the cliff thing. There's a little ledge there under the water that you can stand on. I'm like, Matt, grab him, like attach their hands, he's there, push back off, go get the other guy, bring him to the ledge, and then hold him against the ledge. I'm holding the other guy against the ledge and we're just standing there, like, like waist deep in water kind of thing. Look over the one guy, I'm like, you good? He's like, yeah. Look like, at the other guy, you good? Yeah. Okay. we good. So, yeah, that was it for oh. the little incident before. Told him to go to the hospital, because I was like, you probably are gonna die from secondary drowning if you don't go. Right, because yeah, he's obviously big, got yeah, water don't in don't the lungs. Right. I'm like, yeah. you guys gotta go to the hospital. That's crazy. I don't know if they actually went, but uh, but yeah. Right. That was, uh, that's how I saved two people's lives. And yeah, that's my crazy life lifeguarding story. Wow, yeah,
0: that's a good one. Yeah, that's that's a, really I like good one. that. Yeah, because it's unique. It's yeah. very like that's good. That wouldn't happen at a pool. Ooh, ooh. But mine it. No, so you can see. Yeah, Under so like Laurentian's iffy depending on where you stand. Yeah. have you only like been at the beach that summer? Yeah. Okay. No. So. <laughs> yeah, that's where it was. Mine happened February second, two thousand and seventeen. Oh man, you got the date. Have to. Oh, okay. you, you'll know why. Okay. Here yeah, So. It's not two people, but I like I like to think, and in your scenario too, it's more than just two people, right? Because like both those people have parents. Who knows if they have kids. So oh yeah, sure. right. So that's always what I think about too, but I think about it after, because if you think about four, it's like it's a lot of stress. So what happened with mine is I'm teaching these, I'm teaching an adult class, right? Yeah. There's about four or five of them, they're swimming back and forth, I'm just like instructing them on how to swim, right? And how the pool is, it's just kind of it's shaped like boobs. So it's it's straight on this side, it comes around, around, the steps are here. Oh, okay. You can touch everywhere. Yeah. Okay. The deepest part is up to my neck. Okay. Right, just above my shoulders. As, like, they go back and forth, half the pool was, like, adult level one because they weren't the best, and then there's adult level two here where I was okay. coaching. Yeah. So just to teach them, kind of like, tweaking their strokes a bit, giving them a bit of, like, a warm up to, like, loosen up their, like, arms or legs or shoulders, whatever. So. I walk around, I'm talking, I come back this way, right? And as I come back this way, this gentleman named Walter gets out of the pool. He gets out of the pool and looks at me, and, and I'm like, hey Walter, you doing good? he's like, yeah, man, just not feeling too well. I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, take a seat, let me know if like, you need anything or whatever, yeah, so let me know when you want to get in. Yeah, exactly, whatever. that's what I thought. Uh-huh. So he goes, so I'm like, yeah, man, just take a seat. Just, just chill, uh-huh. you know, breathe. He goes, sits down, okay? I walk back. I'm like instructing some like stuff. All of a sudden, okay. And let's just put like I set the scenario. So all of a sudden, so there's Patrick in coaching. There's Rachel and Melissa, my super our, all of our supervisors, right? Yeah. And <laughs> Melissa was like they're in the office. So the office is here in the Y. You walk out. You walk onto the deck, right? There's a the main lobby upstairs. You're in the mall. Yeah. So. And then in the guard office, it's about 12 feet behind me, in the back room where Christian was, okay? Okay. So, just so when I say names, you're not like, who's that? So, I'm showing them how to do their strokes and then all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, cool, and go there and back and uh, I go along the pool, right? And I watch their stroke and then I'll like, stop them halfway, correct it go back. And then once they have it, I'll just have them do like a workout with, A good stroke, right? Yeah. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Once it's good, and then as I walk around, all I see is Walter from a sitting position. Okay. Yeah. Drop his head. His head hit his knees like hard. I yeah. heard it. Yeah. And then collapses on the floor. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking right now. so I'm like frozen. I'm like, oh shit. Right? So then, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh shit. And then I clicked and I ran over and I was like, Christian, Christian, Christian. And he thinks like, he's my buddy, right? So he's like, oh, what the fuck does Glenn want, right? Yeah. It's like, why is Glenn calling me over? So and then I was like, Christian, Christian, Christian. First aid kit, now. And then that's when like, clicks in. He's on the ground, right? He's like, he's coughing. As I'm saying, he's coughing. He's coughing up blood. Like, the most amount of blood you could see. Thick red. Like, red-black mix. It's jeez, okay, okay. Freaky. So, he's doing this, and it's like, on him, it's on the deck, right? Yeah. (coughs) I'm like, you know, sleeves up. He's run, I'm like, Christian, 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 Christian. And as soon as start coming, I was like, first aid kit. When I saw the blood, I was like, first aid kit now, right? He walks her, all of a sudden like, as this is happening, he's calling him like, Christian, 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 first take it, Patrick, get everyone out of the pool now, call 911, you know? Yeah. Patrick's like, what? So he like, he like, moves out a bit, sees what I'm doing, sees a guy and just is like, clicks as well, yeah. he's like, let's go, everybody out. You know, he starts moving, gets, getting people out, whatever. Let's make it, let's make, let's make this already worse situation a bit worse for all of us. Yeah. Okay. So he go he comes up, as he comes up, all of a sudden, a woman gets out of the pool. Okay. Walter's 57. Walter's married. His wife walks out of the pool, sees him, yeah. and just fucking like, loses it. Hysteric, yeah. And so that's already like yeah. cool. So Rachel's a bigger woman, like strong chick, and luckily that was her role. But <laughs> So she comes over and she's looking at me. And this is, I see in the corner of my Christian running where Christian like trips almost and like drops the first aid kit in front of me, right? I, she's like, help him, help him, help him. He's coughing up blood still, right? Yeah. And I'm like, he's got blood all over his face. And I'm like, I can't. Yeah. And she's like, I'm like, I need gloves. So Christian, as he's like, bring it over. So I grab the gloves, put it on. And then I'm like, he's still coughing. I can't just like start now. Yeah. She like, and since I got my gloves on, whatever. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, whatever. Melissa and like, so Patrick's on the phone at this point. Yeah. Christian's over here with me. Goes to get out to get Melissa and Rachel. They run in, and Melissa's my supervisor, so she's like, she's on the ball. Mm-hmm. Rachel, her one job is to make sure that woman, like the wife. Like you're with her, mm-hmm. like you are her, stuck there like gum, right? He's with her, or she's with her, sorry. Like grab whatever. The wife on the whole blood-covered face and mouth does three rescue breaths, right away. And I was like, okay, okay cool. Yeah. And then looking back on it though, I'm like, you know what? That was major key because if like one of these people passed out and they had a lot of blood on their face, I don't think I would do rescue breaths. I would just keep doing compressions, right? Yeah, did you guys not have a mask? We did, we oh, ended up putting okay. it on after, okay. but this is, and then I just I just started my compressions right away, right? So yeah, I started yeah. doing my CPR compressions, and one round, I'm like one round in, and, then, um, and then I did my, uh, and then the woman, the wife, did rescue breaths again. Mm-hmm. Rachel comes out, pulls the woman off. I get the pocket, Rachel, put, uh, uh, Melissa puts the pocket mask. Yeah. Or sorry, Rachel puts the pocket mask on, the dude does a set of rescue breaths, I go back to my compressions. And then Rachel gets the woman off, Melissa's like instructed. I do rescue breaths. Yeah. Come back, I start doing compressions again, about four compressions in. Get off, whatever, I finish, Melissa does a set of rescue breaths, I do compressions. I have about five sets in at this point. And then once that happened, <laughs> remember the funniest thing? In all this chaos, the funniest thing that happened, that uh, happened next. We got the AED on, right? Yeah. I drive it. I drive it up his lower body. They dried up to like his upper body, or whatever. we put the AED patches on. Backed up. Right. You're they're unclear. We we're all clear. but press. Yeah. Okay. So, I remember though at this point, I look back, and I see, um, I see Patrick, and he's like on the phone. He's like, "Hey, is he breathing?" And I was like, "No, no, he's not breathing." He's like, "Okay, thanks, man." So, no joke, I get back start doing my compressions, whatever, we go through that a couple more times. 911 shows up about nine, 9 or 7, seven to nine, somewhere in there, Right? compression yeah. sets in, right? Like I'm not many rounds in and then they show up and they're showing up and they take their time. Why? Because they're assessing the situation, right? They're yeah. assessing everything. And then they show up in the pool and I'm still doing it. And I do another set and they're like, yeah, yeah, finish your rounds. Like, sweating on yeah. the guy. And so, and then they take over. They lift them up. AED only shocked them once, which is good, because the idea with the AED, right, is to correct the heartbeat. Yeah. So if it only does it once and it doesn't need to advise again, that's a good sign. Yeah. It's back on track. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind
1: of. It could also just mean that our heart's completely stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I (laughs) I was kind of on the better side on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then that—that's what happened there. And then the fun, the most clutch thing I did throughout that whole thing is I was wearing flip-flops. Yeah. one way I did with those flip-flops, the moment I put my gloves on, I put the flip-flops underneath my knees. Knees, yeah, I was about to say knees. Underneath I mean, my same. knees, yeah. and I've never been happier with the yeah. decision I made. Yeah. Because I, I got up, like, and like you could see what size and brand, you could see the day I got them and where I got them yeah. in my knees. Yeah. But no pool tiles. Like, it would have yeah, mangled pool, my knees. Yeah, deep.
1: pool tiles are... I mean, all
0: that's why you always have the flood boards when you're yeah, practicing, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, if you're kneeling on those tiles, mm-hmm. that's uh,
1: that's uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: but yeah, dude. And then uh, fast forward to like three months later, I saw them in their shop. She thanked me, and and her grandkids thanked me, and I was like, oh no, I'm sorry, yeah, dude, that's, that's mine. So cool. that's it's not two lives, but that's it's a still, good story. Sorry. That's still pretty crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's yeah.
1: that's a crazy story as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. It's a lot of like those go like I think both of our stories go they're underrated. They, like, they happen so quick, you don't yeah. recall anything during the time. Yeah. And then everything else that happens after, when you reflect on it, you're like, wow, did a good thing today. The worst
1: though, is like when you're at the beach and people are like, Man, why are there even lifeguards here? And like, you can do nothing all God summer, Damn it. and then something happens and you're like, that. You see that? Dude, you see that? you see that That's the reason. See that
0: catch? Okay? All this, that's why I'm here. None of you guys were all like, when chaos hits, the, when shit hits the fan, you're like, who are you going to call? You guys. The guys with the torpedo. Yeah. The guys are running. Like, oh, oh, help him, help him. There's a guy in the water. It's like, I don't see you doing it. Yeah. I have to. That's why. Nice, dude. Fuck those people. Yeah, a, know, might, fuck I might
1: be sitting on break for 30 minutes or an hour, half the time, but you know what? Sometimes yeah. you're going to need me. And when you do, you're going to be happy I'm here.
0: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild though, lifeguard stories are my favorite thing. Yeah. Because there's never a boring life story. Like you know when people say, oh tell me about your day, or tell me how, how was work? Yeah. Like I sat there for three and a half hours or four hours, yeah. but on that day, Yeah. how was work today, Liam? So, two, one guy was holding another guy down underwater, he was drowning, um, there was, my lifeguard didn't do anything, so this guy in a kayak came up <laughs> for a disc golf through me, a freaking, um, oh, what did you say, Discus, to cool, quote you? Yeah. Discus threw me a life jacket from 40 feet out or something. Because yeah. you made it sound It was fine. It was far. It was, far. It was, good. It was And good then thrill. you catch That's it fast. like it's nobody's business, give it to the guy, drag them both in, boom, in the matter of all that probably in real time was like two, three minutes, maybe five at most. Oh, no, there's no way it was five minutes. It was like, yeah, legitimately yeah? Like like two, two minutes. Like two at most, yeah. two three? it was like two or three. <laughs> it was tasks. Yeah, it was, there was. That's because crazy. There for a long time, it's, man. Nice. Yeah, I think mine was like probably would have been like seven. Yeah, at most seven or eight. Yeah. It happens quick because it's not each round of CPR. Like you don't get a, there's not like a thirty second rest after the compressions. Oh, no! Yeah. It's those breaths are like breath, breath. You're back like, What? Yeah, I want to go back again. Yeah. Sweating, but yeah, and then uh my buddy was me in the ambulance and all that stuff. so That's a uh, dude. The woman owns a seams. A seamstress shop. Okay. So she told me she's like, because of what you did that day, you get free alterations for life.
1: Oh man, that's actually that's actually. I vague, was like, it's man. a pleasure doing business with that's you. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: oh, I don't know where I'm coming next time. Alter man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy. I was like, every suit I get. Yeah. For sure. It was crazy. But, yeah. So, we met. Where did we meet? We met. Running, I, mean, I feel like yeah, we, we yeah, high like track, track, school track, or sure. track north as well. Yeah, shut up to both those times. Um, so, tell us. You mentioned earlier your running career is a big focus of yours. Yeah. Tell me about your running career. What kind of started you with it and that kind of thing? Like, what got you into it?
1: Well, I mean, I guess like I ran just with my school, <laughs> almost like recreationally with my friends right. from like grade six, but I never really took it seriously. Um. I was a lot more involved in. I did skiing when I was younger, mm-hmm. and then karate was a big thing for me. And then I transitioned from karate into kickboxing, mm-hmm. and then from kickboxing into Muay Thai. did you training at kickboxing Muay Thai? Uh, so I'm Muay Thai. I was at Sudbury Sep- BJJ Muay Thai mm-hmm. Academy, uh, and did a lot of training with uh, like Kyle Fletcher and uh, like Jay Burden. Mm-hmm. So those two guys are guys that i train trained with a lot. Uh, so yeah, Muay Thai was really my focus. Uh, one like nationals and Ontario Games, provincials. Uh, and then really the end of that was when I was invited on to Team Canada. So, I mean, there's different world championships for Muay Thai and kickboxing yes. just because it's not like super well-defined organizations mm-hmm. right now. So there was a world championships out in Thailand in I think March of my grade eleven year and there's like political stuff going on or whatever. So oh, like yeah. yeah, so my mom really didn't want me to go and but like there's world championships for another organization out in Italy in October. Right? So I was like, maybe I'll go do that, we'll we'll see, right? So she wouldn't let me go to thailand and the guy that i beat from canada went and won that world championship wow so a little bit of a cheat i'm still it. a little bit salty about that one still upset to say you out we'll call yeah, him yeah. out right now I'm still still a little bit salty about that a live one.
0: stream the fight um so
1: yeah whatever he, he went on and he won worlds and jay was actually like a coach for team canada mm-hmm. on that trip uh so so yeah didn't didn't go there and then uh ontario went to games was after that and I guess they had a bunch of different fights mm-hmm. to kind of like make Team Canada or whatever and then they had like Ontario Winter Games tryouts made it to Ontario Winter Games, won that. Right. Um, and like I had already had one invite to be on Team Canada. I was, I guess I technically didn't get an invite to go to the one in Italy yet, but like, like yeah, I was, yeah. like, I would have I gone to Italy. But, so then Nationals was coming up and my weight cut for that fight just it wasn't going well. It was just started too late or just not uh, not enough water
0: before. I don't know.
1: I don't know. It was just, oh, it, so it, was, just... it was kinda, it was kind of it was kind of rough. Like the fight prep wasn't going well, um, and then I just got sick and then I strained my hip flexor mm. like two weeks before the fight and it was just like everything was going bad. So I pulled out of nationals that year and. But I mean, there was still other fights, like that wasn't right. like, oh, like, you can't be on Team Canada anymore. Or, I was just like, yeah, I just, wh- I wasn't prepared for that fight. I wasn't going into prepared, uh, wasn't healthy. So uh, Jay and I decided to pull out of it. Um, and then after that, I had track and field. In grade 11, I would say it was kind of like a breakout year for me. Like that was the year I went like triple gold at Cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, for track which was really cool and like I came second at cross-country earlier in the season and That's when I was like, oh, like Maybe I could actually do this like running thing I still wasn't like dedicating a lot of time to running like I was part of track and what but I wasn't like training full-time like Muay Thai was my focus and I I would do like like once two workouts with track and once a week, right? Um, And I was like, oh, like maybe I can actually do this and then it turned out that the fight for world championships like in italy that was right during uh cross-country season Mm -hmm. and i would have missed i would have either missed cities or nasa which then would have meant i couldn't have gone to offset because you need to go to those two meets to qualify and then I knew that was a big like officer cross country is huge for distance runners yes, scholarships nice. going into university and I knew that I hadn't performed that well yet because mm-hmm. I hadn't like focused on it so I was like if I really want to run at the varsity level I need to perform well at officer cross country my grade quality. Right. I'm like that's big because officer track is like too late right it's at the end of yeah. the year right yeah. so I'm like. I'm going to make a statement it's you know, going to have to be there. So within like the month before yeah. you finish. Yeah, exactly. So so I knew that was really important if I wanted to go to university and run at the varsity level because I was considering like pretty, like it was a legitimate consideration for me to not go to university and just train. Uh, I wanted to have trained Muay Thai just because, I mean, there's not like a ton of money in it, but I was either going to transition into MMA or boxing mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, and my parents were, like, very, very much against
0: it. Like, oh, 100%. They,
1: amazing. yeah, they, especially as well, since, like, I was doing well in high school with, like, a 96 average, right? Mm-hmm. They were, like... Doing to get your brain yeah, in a little bit? You yeah. C- CT you. Yeah, exactly. So, um... So, yeah, they, they were, like, I mean, like, you can do it, but they're, like, we are not going to, like, support you financially or anything like that. And when you're... When you're in grade 11, and you're like, man, I'm gonna be living on my own, trying to make it professional in a sport, I mean, to go professional in anything, is very difficult, yeah. but then the injury rate in fighting, I'm it's, like, high. it's high, right, so then I'm like, you get an injury, like, bang, mm-hmm. like, that's it, like, your career could be over after a few concussions.
0: Right, right? And you could like, get that tortellini year. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even think that's a big deal that or cauliflower, whatever. Yeah, cauliflower. Yeah, cauliflower, That tortellini. Yeah. People but, uh, got that linguine here. Like, I see a couple people I train with, they got like, blows up and like, I got that linguine going on. Yeah. It's, it's awful. awful. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, so
1: I really like made the decision to take running seriously after my grade 11 track season. <laughs> Because I was like okay I'm gonna go to university I'm not gonna fight anymore so that's also when I stopped fighting competitively um, yeah and that's kind of like when I was like okay I still want to like compete at a high level so varsity athletics is gonna be the way to go. Uh, had a tough grade 12 cross country season um, i had like stress reactions and like both my feet throughout the season I was only able I was like putting in Workouts on the bike and then doing like one run workout a week. Uh, I still like place the best I ever had at offside. I finished like thirtieth at offside cross country, which is like it's, it's respectable. It's yeah. respectable. Like it's good enough to be on a varsity team. Uh, so I talked to like different universities and they were like, yeah, like you can uh, come train with us, be on the team. Uh, yeah. So that's really when I decided that I wanted to run at the varsity level and then grade 12 track season, that was really like a breakout year for me, Uh, especially in actually becoming someone that would do like well at the university level. I brought like my 3K time down from like a 9.28 3K down to an 8.51 in like one season. So like, like, if you're not under nine going into university, not that like, Everyone develops at their own rate. Right. Running. Running's a very, like, people plateau, It's some people peak very late, some people peak early. And like, not that 8.51 is like a crazy time to be running in high school. Like, I came 12th at Offs a track with that. Like, people are running like, low 8s, right? Uh, like, I, I think, uh, yeah, like, you got guys that are running literally like, sub 8.20 like, three days in high school. It, it's insane, right? So, like, <laughs> not, yeah, not to say that, like, I was, like, an amazing runner or anything, but, like, like, definitely good enough to compete at a varsity level within Canada, mm-hmm. leaving high school. So, that was a big breakout season for me, and then transitioning to UFC, my first few months were good. Uh, I, I had, like, good experience training with the team, but just with School and then living on my own, uh, I just wasn't really able to like stay healthy and put in like the amount of time that I needed to really stay healthy. So I had like an injury kind of prone first year that I was there. Uh, I ran some good times in cross country, but then couldn't be healthy for OUA, so I didn't run at OUA nationals that year. Mm-hmm. And then for track season. Uh, I got pretty injured during track season, uh, didn't run faster than I ran in high school, which was disappointing. Yeah. Uh, had a bad knee injury that took me out for basically that entire season. Like I got injured at the very end of the season, so I ran that season, but not very good. Mm-hmm. And then I was out for all of outdoor season, and then I was out for cross-country season in my second year. And then school was just too intense. so since I didn't compete in cross-country, I didn't want to use a year of eligibility. So I didn't compete in indoor track, and I was like, I just got to focus on school, get through it. And after that second year at U of T is when I decided to come back to Laurentian. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's really just been building up and working with Dick and Darren to get healthy again. And actually being able to run the mileage to be where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Like in my first year, I think I for cross country I was only averaging like like thirty k a week, mm. which isn't that much when you think about like the yeah. guys that are at like the top end are running like one twenty. Wow. Like, okay. Yeah. Like one twenty wow. a week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. They're running like 120K a week. Yeah. I'd say roughly. I mean, like, you have some guys that are doing 160, some guys that are doing 100. And there are people who don't want to run at all. Yeah. But, like, I, I'd i say kind of like an average for, like, during season for the top end guys. <laughs> so maybe like 100 to 120. Not even the top end guys. That's just, like, what most varsity runners run. The average in season. Yeah. Like. It's, like, around, I'd say average is probably 100K a week ish. Okay, like, in the Canadian system. Um,. They tend to run more mileage down in the States, I think. But, mm-hmm. I mean, every coach has their own philosophy. Some coaches love to bang out the mileage, some prefer more quality. But then I'm over here running like like high 20s, like low 30s, something right? Like, no mileage, that is yeah. nothing, right? Not where you Nowhere so, here, where you wanna be. Exactly. So, I mean, I did well in cross country. Mm-hmm. And then during indoor track season, uh, I strained my hamstring, like, literally first race of the year. And then I was out all the way until last chance mm-hmm. I ran there, qualified for OUAs, ran OUAs, PB'd in the 3K, ran, like, in ran like 8.44, which was okay, but I mean, like, for 30 at university, it's like you nothing... should be a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing special. Um, but, I mean, that was after coming off, like, a full year of injury, right? Right. So it was my first year really running again, getting back into it. And then this last year again improved but again during cross-country season I was only like like mid 30s to like 40k a week during the season which is like super low and then unfortunately I actually missed OUA's this year during indoor track because so uh, I had a really good season opener in Ottawa and like in eight 35 3k, which was like a 10 second PB for a season opener. I was feeling like super fit I was like, okay, this is gonna be a big season. We were feeling good. So uh, Me and a few of the other guys on the teams like Paul Eric Caleb and myself We decided that we would go down to Boston because Boston has like a notoriously fast track Everyone runs like stupid fast times there, right? Mm -hmm. Really good competition Uh, so lots of people just run past it so we were like you know what we can get tickets for fairly cheap we'll go down to Boston run there and in my race there again like strained my hamstring like pretty badly and was out for the rest of the season so since then over the summer I've been really just trying to build up that strength and Yeah, just do a lot of strength training. I've met with some different like running specialists. I went to the Runner's Academy uh, to go see Chris Shepard. Sweet. That guy's like a freaking magician. So he, uh, since seeing him, I've been a lot healthier. Things have been going well. Uh, This outdoor track season was, I'd say it was pretty successful. So I'd say this outdoor track season, (laughs) It was kind of like a weird track season. I wasn't like completely healthy from indoor season yet, but Mm. slowly got healthier again. We were going to focus in the 5K, but first 5K of the season just went like really poorly. I just like didn't have the mileage and wasn't fit enough to run it. It just wasn't going well. Uh, But then we had like a little twilight meet here in Sudbury for our 1500. And I mean, like, I just finished my fourth year of university. Never broken four minutes in the 1500. Like that is like you got high school kids that are running like sub four minute 1500. So yeah. right? I'm like man, I, I'm like if I'm gonna run a f- like a 1500, I gotta run sub four, right? So oh. in a mile? Yeah. Well, 1500, not a mile, not a yeah. mile. A mile is an extra 109 Nine meters. meters. 109 meters. Uh, so just a 1500. And so I had a pacer, took me out at like 4 flat pace, like perfect, 64, uh, 2, 208, like bang on, and then took me through the K, and like right on 230, right? Nice. So I come through the K, I'm like, man, this is perfect. I just gotta close the lap, like one second faster, and bang, step four. Um, <laughs> tied up pretty hard, because like I was still running it alone, mm-hmm. and I ran like 4 flat, But I hadn't really run the 1500s since high school, and I, my PB from high school until this summer was like 413. Wow. So I was like, Hey, like big yeah. PB, that's fine. Like, like, let's actually take some time and start doing some 1500 meter work. Cause really? I hadn't done any sort of speed, hmm. uh, the entire season. So I would, like talked to my coach and I was like, Hey, like London 1500 meter nights going up. Like I want to run there, like run fast. Like, can we just like transition the focus? And he's like, yeah, for sure. So do some 1500 meter work. Went to 1500 meter night, had a big PB, ran like 3:56 in the 1500. Nice, bro. So, so yeah, that was big. Um, So, yeah. So things are finally like I've actually been healthy for like a solid like four months now. Nice. Um, I'm feeling good. The body's feeling good. So yeah, I'm just really excited about this uh, cross country season coming up. we 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 want to do some big things here at Laurentian. Yeah, I believe it, man. Cross country team. Yeah, like uh, Paul. Obviously, that guy is just cross country animal. Mm-hmm. He came like tenth at OUAs. Uh, yeah, he is just a cross country machine. Uh, Dylan Brown. Mm-hmm. He's coming to Laurentian this year to do his masters, and he actually came fourth at U Sports. Oh, jeez. Back okay, in the day. There you go. Yeah, so he's going to be on the team. Uh, He's training, he's gonna be fit, ready to go. Uh, Chase, Canty, he came sixth at across Country, and second at like cross country nationals, like club nationals, ACXs. So he's coming, Uh, Caleb right now is injured, hopefully he'll be healthy by the time OUAs comes around. uh, Eric is looking like he's going to be super fit. Mm I'm gonna be super fit. Nice. Uh, Keon, he came like 30th at Officer Cross Country, so that's another big recruit that we got coming in. So we got we got a big men's team coming up. Uh, lots of guys from last year. Our entire team from last year is gonna be back. Uh, we got another guy, Dylan McKevitt, uh, nice. Alexander, uh, yeah, the entire team's going to be back and we got some extra recruits now. So sweet yeah. We finally got some depth it's to the exciting. scene um, Looking yeah. forward to seeing how it turns out. Yeah Yeah, nice yeah so ho- hopefully not too many people watch this podcast in- in t- until the end You know, we we like to be dark horses on this season. We like to come up not not too many people knowing what's going on and uh, I, no, I think, I, I think and people I think people will be, be surprised at yeah, yeah, the end absolutely. of October early November
0: yeah. I'm looking forward to. Um, where do you guys uh, like where's the first race where can you catch your first race because I want to watch Yeah, okay I'm invested in that. so I mean we we have the Ramsey tour, right? It's
1: a little 5k road race that we have here kind of like a rest buster okay. uh, Nipsing University comes down and runs at it nice, uh, so it's it's here Alurentian. Uh And that is it's usually the second week of September. Okay. Second weekend of so once September. Once the school year gets going yeah. and you guys get the ground running. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Literally, yeah. So yes. that's the first weekend of September and then typically we'll go and run at the Western In- Invitational and that is the, that's usually the weekend after the Ramsey Tour. Right. Okay. Uh, so all our races after that are like AK k races. Um, so we usually run out Western. And then we'll typically go down to Geneseo in New York for Mm. a race there. And then probably go to the McMaster Open if they're still going to hold that because OUAs is going to be at McMaster this year. So it'll be good to get a race in the OUA course before OUAs run there. And then OUAs at McMaster. And they actually just recently changed it. That's now down to... 8 kilometers, it was 10, but they wanted the men and the women running the same distance so they moved the woman from 6k up to 8k and the men down from 10k to 8k. How do you feel about that? I mean, okay, personally, I like running 8k more than 10k. Makes sense. I do better at 8k, so I'm not going to complain about that, especially with my low mileage self.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: I do like the transition down to 8k. do I agree that men and women need to run like the same distance? I don't think it like really, really? matters. Personally, I think I think that m- might just be like yeah. our culture being a little bit too like gender sensitive. Because I know I know a lot of the women did not like <laughs> to transition up. No, right? I believe it. So yeah. So
0: I don't know. I like I don't know. Yeah. It's what two k. The yeah. thing is, imagine if it wasn't. There was the jump, but now you guys are competing together. Oh, yeah. that would be bullshit. Okay, yeah, that's way. That's, that's where it's yeah, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, what yeah, are we yeah. doing here? Yeah, yeah. This is now you're messing with biology here. Yeah, this yeah. is not it. This is not. It. So one thing I want to ask you before we finish up. Um, what does go? What goes through your mind when you're running a long race? Like, what mindset do you need to have? It's kind of the pathway of this one. Well, I mean. I feel like it transitions from like
1: race to race a little bit, um, and honestly, kind of like where I am in my season, right? So like during uh, during the regular season, not the championship season, mm-hmm. uh, typically I just want to run as fast as I can and like really push myself, right? Um, but like this. Past year at o- OUA's, uh, we really like to make it to national. Our top five guys had to run well, mm-hmm. right? For us to make it to nationals. So, like at Geneseo, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> Paul and I, like, I just went out with Paul. I just hung on to Paul for as long as I absolutely could, got to like five, five and a half K and just absolutely blew up, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, great experience and like that's good, it kind of like shows you where you're at. That and there are still like, levels. Yeah, like, like it's a hard effort, right? Absolutely blew up, right? But like going into OUAs, that's not the best idea, right? No. like I need to perform the best that I can perform on that day. So I would say like at OUAs last year, I was a little bit more conservative. So I think like you need to have a good race strategy going in, but then- you just stay focused on the race But strategy. then it just like staying focused and like staying calm, especially in cross country like OUAs and Nationals last year were like 10K. Like it's a 10 kilometer race. You got a lot of time to make up ground, right? So, I mean, mean it is the varsity level. It's definitely a lot more professional Mm -hmm. than high school. I mean, you got a ton of kids that just like (laughs) sprint the the first like 2K and you're getting beat by people that have like, like, there's people ahead of you that have like no business being ahead of you, right? right. So you don't, you don't need to be as conservative it's in that sense. The thing of all time. Yeah. So like you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So like, like it definitely is like like people do know like where they're kind of supposed to be in the pack and people kind of go out in that more. But mm-hmm. I definitely do like to make sure I'm feeling good going into the second half of the race. Okay. So if I'm racing like a 10k I want to like hit 5k like obviously not being fresh but I'm like okay like I still got like, something yeah yeah like, like, like I want to have something to like go into a next gear right I like I don't want to hit 5k and be like like surviving and just right. oh my gosh how how am I going to get through yeah. this yeah. um I mean some races I do want to be like that though like Geneso right if I'm really just trying to push right. the envelope and just see where I'm at uh yeah there's races to do that But at the end of the day, like cross country I still think is more of a team oriented event and it really matters how the team does. So you can't be selfish in cross country, Mm -hmm. right? Like you need to understand that like the team has a goal and you have a part to play in that and you need to execute. Mm -hmm. Whereas like track, if you want to go out and like falls to the wall. If you want to go out and you wanna blow up, it's track. It's not like that doesn't matter. Like you blow up, like you blow up. That's fine. right. And like same thing during regular season, uh, for cross country, like team, like how you score as a team doesn't really matter. And no one really cares how you do until like provincials and nationals, right? Uh, so yeah, I'd say like that's kind of like the transition, the mentality. But I'd say for for actual racing, as I'm running and going through, yeah. I'm really just like focused on like the guys ahead of me. Just really focused on them and staying attached to the pack because typically you have like packs in cross-country that end up breaking off and it's really hard to run when you separate from the pack right Mm -hmm. when when you let go from the pack then you're running all alone and it just becomes that much more difficult so if I'm really hurting then my mindset is like just stay attached stay attached if the leader goes I'm always like trying to stay at the front of that pack and just stay with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of like my mentality once I'm in the race. So first, first like, five k is setting myself up well for the entire race. Right. And then once I'm at that five k mark, I situate I, situa- I situate myself in a pack, and I just try to stay attached. If I'm feeling good, like I'll try to I'll, I'll push the envelope a little right. bit, try to get the pace going. If our pack, if I see us coming up on another pack to make a surge up to like the next set of people kind of thing um yeah that's kind of just like the mentality i'd say for racing Mm -hmm. wise and like same thing same thing with track when when like you're running a 3k it's really just like we we all know each other kind Mm -hmm. of in in like OUA, right? Like I know right. I, I know who want, runs what time. Yeah, especially at this point. And like like who I want to be around, right? So, if I'm trying to like PB and I know this person's faster than me, I'm getting in that pack and I'm just hanging on his shoulder. I'm just running right behind him mm-hmm. for
0: as long as I can until I blow up, right? right? So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So if we were to break it down then in a more general way where people can use that. Like mindset advice, and take what you do for track and cross right. country, and like push it to other things and other aspects. What I got from it was focus on the race strategy, okay. in a general sense. Is on focus on the strategy. Yeah, figure but out what the your goal. Thing. is. Yeah. figure out what the goal is. Okay. Of this event. Okay, so it's event by event. Figure out the, what the goal is. Yeah. And stay focused on that. Yeah. Because if you start to let other people come into your brain. It's like, oh, well, that guy runs faster than me. And that guy runs slower. We're gonna beat that guy. But, oh man, I'm, I beat him last race. Why is he ahead of me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's, that's it. where it that's gets where dangerous. Like, it, it gets dangerous, right? You won this. He lost that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you
1: so. gotta you gotta stay focused on your own thing, and then, yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. Just figure out what the goal is for that specific event, right? It might be to PB. It might be to place well. Mm-hmm. Like it. Really does just depend on focusing what on your goals. Yeah. and then executing, right? And yeah, don't don't let too much else go on. And uh, like another big thing that I that a lot of I feel new runners do, or even like first years, like when you're warming up, like m- maybe it's y- like you're not warming up yet, and you see everyone else warming up, right? And then people like rush their warm up, and they're like, oh, I need a warm up when everyone else is warming up. It's like, no, do your own thing. Like, whatever you've practiced time and time again, like, execute. Like, you need to trust your own process Mm -hmm. for preparation as well, right? I feel like once you're in the race, there's not, like, that much going on. Like, I find a race, the mental part is way more beforehand. It's before and, like, Mm -hmm. not letting other people, like, like, pre-race routine, I think, is, like, key is like the major like part like what you eat beforehand Mm -hmm. like not changing that up sticking to your warm-up routine um like going to bed do you ice bath the night before all Mm -hmm. these little things that you just need to trust that this is what you've done right this is like you've refined it this is what sets you up to be the best you can be Mm -hmm. and then just like executing that and like trusting that because i feel like a lot of new runners will like change up what they're doing like the day of a race and that that to me is crazy mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. nice man oh i really appreciate your time buddy yeah, yeah for sure awesome let's uh go run me. Be- oh perfect timing oh, boys unreal